You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Thanks for checking out the Redux Church Podcast, a place for genuine conversation covering scripture and the principles we glean from it. Now, here's your host. All right, everybody, welcome into our conversation today. We're in Acts chapter 10. We had a great time in Acts chapter 9. We're delighted that you have decided to join us today. Uh, We have my regular cohort, Jeremy. Hi. Wow. (laughs) Get him some vitamins. Hi. And we have a really special guest today. Not that Jeremy's not special, but a really special guest today. We have the most beautiful, charming, lovely, incredible Miss Donna with us today. Hello, everyone. Hello, Miss Donna. Hello. Who just happens to be the wife of the host, not of Jeremy. And the wifey. <laughs> we, we tried to do this, uh, I don't know, about eight, I was, yeah. eight chapters ago. Yeah, it, and was a it while didn't back. work. Didn't work. Somebody had to cough a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. It Sorry about that, guys. It happens. <laughs> My bad. Oh man. Well, uh, let's see. Since we've recorded, it's been a while. Yeah. Anything happen in your life? Uh, nope. Nope. Okay. Not a thing. <laughs> All right. I mean, you know, it progressed forward like it does. For, for but... those that don't know, uh, Jeremy is is uh, in the in the inner regions of the thunder arena and uh so uh the belly of the beast is all yeah he's uh (laughs) he's helping the thunder win and we are recording in the metro oklahoma city area so that's a good thing for us yeah yeah the fans there in memphis uh our our regular listeners in memphis aren't happy with me but that's all right that's okay that's okay they'll get over it their uh, their spiritual side will be delighted with you. There you go. So, uh, welcome our people to to go and, and spend some time in worship, Jeremy. Yeah. So as we say all the time, it's really the only thing we honestly have to give to God. Everything else we have are on loan from Him, mm-hmm. as Rush Limbaugh used to say. <laughs> although his was very prideful, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> no, but you know, our time isn't ours. Our money isn't ours. It's all His. Um, but our worship—that's something we get to direct and we determine. In fact, you know, I would say. It's in our very nature. We're going to worship one way or the other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And so it's innate in us to do that. Um, directing it towards God is um, obviously like the thing to do. <laughs> no question. And, you know, as I've said before, worship isn't about sitting down, listening to music and raising your hands and singing a song. It's about uh, a t- intentional gratitude, intentional focus on mm. the creator of the universe, not just being in a position where you're telling him or speaking to him how amazing he is, but rather that uh, being open to receive from him in those moments. So yeah. encourage you to do that. Uh, you know, music gives us a sense of just kind of setting a, a, a mood, if you will, sometimes. And, and it can certainly direct our thoughts when it comes to the content of the lyrics and things like that. But it's not limited to music. And uh, yeah, so just take some specific time, set aside for worship. It's so powerful to do that before you listen to us pontificate and ramble on on our thoughts of scripture because we're going to say things that maybe aren't 100% because we're imperfect, fallible humans. And uh, our goal here is to just 
spark you to think about yeah. scripture and to process it with you yourself, your friends, uh, and most importantly with God. There you go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, we're going to assume that if you are with us right now, that uh, you heeded Jeremy's advice and went and spent some time on worship and you're back. So here we go. We are in Acts chapter 10. We are going to read uh, verses 1 through 8, and then as Jeremy says, we're going to pontificate. So (laughs) here we go. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who was called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him, and having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now, I know this is just a a few, very few scriptures here, uh, what we've got, uh, what, 47 or so verses here. Uh, but let's talk about Cornelius, a Roman soldier, uh, a non-Jew, mm-hmm. someone that uh, could not go to the synagogue, uh, wasn't welcome in the temple, uh, and yet uh, he's considered here a devout man of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't that just blow all our quote, church paradigms of what it is to be a Christian away? Yeah, there's uh, there's quite a few scriptures that will do that if you read them uh, in earnest. I mean, you could say the same thing about the man on the cross next to Jesus. He didn't follow any prescribed formula that we uh, tend to indoctrinate in the Western church. Mm-hmm. Um, yet Christ simply looked at him and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. I don't know how to deal with that other than saying that maybe I have more confidence in Christ than I do in tradition. So he didn't go to the Mardell Christian bookstore, the guy on the cross on next the cross. to Jesus. And, he may have. And the five steps to... Uh, <laughs> He's probably bought a gift for a family member. <laughs> the, the five steps to salvation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, didn't go through and follow them step by step. Now, now this one, that, that that's true of that guy, but I mean, now Cornelius, I mean, he was a soldier. He's probably done the Romans road. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying it's entirely possible uh, well uh, I, I don't think he has because the Romans road has not been unveiled by Paul oh, yet okay well but this but could maybe be the pa- precursor I'm not saying Paul was the originator you know he's trying, He's just saying stuff somebody else could, could be Cornelius was the originator <laughs> that's right. of the Cornelius Roman road like, huh? hey Paul check this out Mm-mm. no but I mean I think that's the whole thing you know we were talking a little bit about this kind of uh, as a tangent to, to what we were talking about earlier uh, in the car. But, I, you know, I just, I think that, you know, my quest is one of truth. And this is what I've been loving about reading Acts uh, because I believe truth is absolute. I believe truth is a being, an entity uh, known as God. <laughs> um, and so the quest for God does not originate in something that's only a couple thousand years old. It originates way before that. And, 
And so that to me is is what we see dem- demonstrated here with Cornelius. It's what we demonstrated with countless people in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, God, what I think people misunderstand about, especially the Old Testament, is they they look at Israel and say, this is God's chosen people. And this statement is, an, is a statement of fact, historical fact. But the question then becomes, what does it mean to be God's chosen people? It doesn't mean that you are the only ones that God cares about. That's right. What it means is you are the ones that Israel was called of God to keep his presence on earth. That is what it meant to be chosen. They were chosen by God to represent him on the earth. In today's covenant with Christ, the representation of God on this planet is through the Holy Spirit, which indwells the men who've received him. And so... Uh, so that distinction is radically different. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care. We, we know in John three sixteen, God loved the whole world that he gave yeah. his only begotten son. So there's not a distinction there, but we are charged. And, and if we apply that principle, that concept, you know, uh, God called the Israelites to be holier than the rest of the planet because of that. And by the same nature, he's called us to be holy. And so I guess what I would say in that is when you see somebody like Cornelius, I mean, we, we talked about it, uh, was it last chapter with Simon the Sorcerer? Mm-hmm. Um, he was, I mean, the idea of becoming a Christian, I don't even know that they prayed a prayer. You know what I'm saying? What it says in scripture is they believed. Mm-hmm. Now, how do, you, yeah. how do you make believing a verb that is demonstrative? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a judgment call, right? It's, you can profess it. But I think that comes back to why even baptism was such a big thing. Baptism was this outward expression of a belief that I held. And so um, this is, I think, what crawled all over the establishment um, of the Jewish religion at that point um, is that it's like, no, you're not doing all these things. And as we, you know, one day I'm sure we'll cover Galatians and and how John tried to bring in some of those actions again uh, that Paul addressed specifically to the church of Galatia, because they weren't Jews either. <laughs> they were yeah. Gentiles. Like, what are you yeah. even doing? So, so all of that to me, it all connects. So you see somebody like Cornelius, it's someone who simply believed the good news. I mean, that that's an amazing just reality. Someone tells you, hey, listen, Jesus Christ, who is God's only son, the Messiah that was prophesied in the old scriptures of the Jewish faith, came and tore the veil he didn't physically tore the veil, but the veil between the separating piece between man and God and the temple was rent from top to bottom, opening up access to the father. And so when you simply believe that good news, it's really easy. It comes back to what we talk a lot about with identity. You now know who you are. I have access to God. So he's praying. He's devout. It says right there, right? A devout man who feared God with his whole, with all uh, his household, gave alms generously to the people, giving alms, that's a that's a response of what God's done in you yeah. by nature. So Absolutely. yeah. So we've we've got Cornelius who is a centurion, so he's got uh and I'm not sure it started out he would have been over a hundred men later on that hundred uh, became 80. So I don't know which one that is, and mm. it's irrelevant here. It should have but, stayed a hundred because centurion Means a hundred. I know, I know, but it evolved to eighty. <laughs> it did evolve. So they, I know. they had new math in Rome. <laughs> it's because the demons entered in. <laughs> but, but Cornelius is a man who is outside the Jewish religion. He's not yet entered in 
to to the the, the newfound Christian uh, Christendom founding wasn't of the church, right? Fully even really a thing yet. Yeah, and and so uh, he he is having uh, this introductory, shall we say, experience with God. When what's what's so awesome about this is that if if you were in the Roman army, Caesar was your god. Mm-hmm. So think about that. He is he is he is in the third hour of the day, which is ninth hour of the day, which is three o'clock in the afternoon. He is praying mm-hmm. to a god other than Caesar. Absolutely. <laughs> and he is devout in that. And so when the spirit manifests himself to him and speaks to him, he even recognizes God and says, Lord. Yeah. Now, I, I, I say that as an intro. Uh, Donna, go back to your childhood in your backyard uh, when you have an experience with God uh, under, the, under the laundry clothesline. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. But I was thinking about Cornelius because it's a heart cry. It's a asking, God, who are you? And that's what he was asking. He said, I know Caesar's not it. Mm-hmm. Who are you? And so because of his heart cry, and I think that's what we got to get back to, even as go back to as a child, what is our heart cry? And I was saying, okay, since the Baptist church is not real cool with me speaking in tongues <laughs> and I got the Buddha love out of there, who are you? What is happening to me? What's going on? And God is faithful to answer. And that's what happened to Cornelius. As it happened to me, I was out hanging clothes on a clothesline and I began to feel the spirit of the Lord and I began to speak in tongues and my neighbor heard mm-hmm. what was happening and she started just praising God and I didn't understand why but she said baby you got the Holy Ghost and I said oh okay (laughs) is that what that is and so um, as a child God would speak and so I know that he does speak to us in our spirits and our minds our hearts through things uh, through what we're asking and he honored what Cornelius was asking. And I think that's what we got to get to. Cornelius was not asking for houses and land or he wasn't asking for more, you know, cattle or something like that. He was saying, Caesar is not it. And I recognize that you're it, whoever you are. I want you to show me who you are. Mm. And that's what I think we don't do in this day and time. We're comfortable with what we know of God because of what we've been told, maybe not what we've had experienced ourselves, but we have to have an experience, and a lot of Christians have not had an experience. They have head knowledge. Uh, we've been taught certain things, and so we get into what I call as a norm of activity, but we mm. haven't had an experience that actually says, God is hearing me. I know he listens to me because he's brought all of these things to fruition because of my prayer. Mm. So what are we praying, really? Mm-hmm. And that's what that says to me. Cornelius was actually mm. praying a sincere prayer. And like I said, he wasn't asking for things. He was asking, 
who is the God of Israel? You know, and here's the thing. I, I don't think Cornelius read in scripture how mm-hmm. if you're really focused on, you know, prayer and this, that, and that, that maybe an angel of the Lord will come to you mm-hmm. and tell you that. to go to. He didn't know any of that, which is why, you know, you look at, and I say why, but I mean, he's, it says there in verse four. He stared at him in terror. Yeah, he was terrified. <laughs> said, said, what is it, Lord? And then the angel of the Lord said that your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Yes. So so this speaks so to the, the position of motive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think it's a pretty fair guess that the motive of Cornelius here is about as pure as white yeah. snow. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? He, he Because why? He, he's come into a place where he believed the good news. Bottom line is he found that that alternative. And I think this is, you know, back to your point about, you know, even getting the, uh, what do you call it? The holy boot or friendly boot? Love, or, the, love, boot, of, boot of, of love. love. That's right. <laughs> I mean, we, we've put ourselves, you know, the, the, the Western church in America and, well, just period, the current church culture is um, you've got to find a place. Like, I think we actually settle on, you've got to believe 100% of our core values, 80% of our questionable values, uh, or you can't really come here. You're going to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I, it's like, man, you guys are establishing things that aren't even there. You know, I was on another yeah. podcast a few weeks back to talk about doctrines of omission. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really what the church has done a lot of is said, okay, it's not in scripture. So here's the doctrine. Well, what, wait a minute. <laughs> we, we, we can write. A, a, just tons and tons of doctrine that's not in scripture. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Wayne and I were talking about this before too. I just mentioned how, you know, uh, I think the the stat was 90% of all things or 95% of all things invented were invented in the last hundred years. I mean, that's, that means 95% of the things out there fall into the category of doctrine that we can make up. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? True. And so True. that's just something that's not happening here because, again, you know, I've talked about this before, but Christianity uh, is two things. We, when we refer to it uh, in the context of one following Christ, that is a, a faith. When Christianity is spoken of in general sense, it's spoken of as a religion. And and very few people understand the distinction between a faith and a religion. Mm-hmm. A religion is a is an act, a process of it's it's almost a, it's a recipe that you follow to feel right at a spiritual level. Whereas mm. faith, that's good. Faith is something that you are compelled with. You you almost would. It's like, can I choose? Like, if you could choose something, mm-hmm. you'd maybe even choose something different because you're now bound to revelation. You're bound to truth or rhema, what we would say. This revelation from God that says, bro, here's here's the truth. And now this is where my faith is. Like, I, I can't think any differently. I have faith that I'm not going to spin off the earth as it spins around. Like, it's just there. I can't unbelieve that because mm-hmm. here I am not flying off the earth. <laughs> Whereas... Again, like religion, religion is a process. It's a recipe that's followed. And and man, those distinctions are vital. And in this context, when we're talking about Cornelius, there's no recipe. Mm-hmm. This man is operating yeah. out of a genuine experience that he had with God. The same yes, way you knew spoken tongues as a kid. Absolutely. He's he's not in church. No. Mm-mm. He hadn't is the in, church. He hadn't been invited to church. <laughs> this didn't happen at the altar. Yeah. You know, and and I think we we've 
all too often in, in the modern Western church, we've developed this paradigm that says we, we have to get people into the building. Once we get into the building, they have to hear the anointed word that the preacher says. And, and then we got to pray that they respond to what the preacher said so that we can get them down to the altar. Mm-hmm. And then once we get them down to the altar, we got to get them over to the prayer room where we can give them all these pamphlets and paraphernalia and, and we can sign them up. Mm-hmm. You know, the worst thing about all of what you just said, Wayne, is even if all that stuff happened, it has zero correlation with an actual relationship with God. Yeah. Absolutely. I remember when I first met Jesus, to me, the win was I met Jesus, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That was the extent of it. I got, and this is all well-meaning, but it's to your point. I got a package in the mail from my uncle who was a pastor and it contained about 35 books, a lot of books mm. in it. And it was to, you know, help me as I began my journey as a Christian. Now, just to keep in mind, one of them I'm sure was the Bible, although I already had plenty of those. So so let's just go with the fact that I got 34 books plus the 66 that rent is in the modern day scripture. <laughs> and it's like, without this, what happens to me? That That's the first thought is like, wait. I'm already in a relationship with God. I'm not sure what all these things are. I'm like, fingerprint of God sounds cool, and I'm happy to read it. And then I started reading it going, wow, <laughs> I don't know what I'm reading here. Like, none of that coalesced into understanding any more or less about God. What really grew my understanding with God was communing with him. Mm-hmm. And the books were not jumping off points for that communion. They were distractions for me. And I think that, again, this comes into that that position of like, we go through these processes. We say, if a person does this, this, and this, and how much of that is to make the other people feel good? How much is that to make you feel like I'm making a difference? Because look at this person who was once, you know, doing this action and now they're doing this action. One, if I'm taking credit for that, that's a problem. But two, the actions don't reflect the state of a man mm-hmm. because it does not ever address the motive. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it's to me, and, and I've said this publicly many times. I don't know if I've done it on this podcast, but I've made the statement that I think about maybe 95% of people who go to church know God intimately. Um, I, I, you know, that number is completely just made up, but it's based on my experience in church and my, my time talking to people and they give you little clues. It has nothing to do with judging their action. It has to yeah. do with their language, like how mm-hmm. they speak about certain things. Like, like, well, I feel like I, you know, as long as I pray a good hour a day, I'm, I'm right with God. That statement right there, yeah. you don't know him. Mm-hmm. And it's not because an hour is not enough. Right. <laughs> it's because an hour is irrelevant, completely irrelevant. <coughs> and so, you know, I, I stand by that number um, and I, I'll even add to it, uh, a healthy chunk of church leaders fit into that 95%. Yeah. But now I'm getting judgy. <laughs> Only right now. <laughs> Only right now. Okay. So, so it's not to say though, that someone couldn't be invited into church, hear the pastor's message, of course not. respond to an altar call and, and have a, an an intimate experience with God in that moment that oh, will change sure. your life. Sure, sure, sure. But we certainly don't want to limit the move of God to having to be in that paradigm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, you have some small group meetings or have had some small group 
meetings that are in your backyard. Uh, you call them fireside. Fire pit factions, fire pit. baby. Fireside. <laughs> fireside chats. Fire pit factions. And and uh, I've, I've been through one of them with you and enjoyed yeah. it thoroughly. Uh, but, but the group you had prior to me, mm-hmm. you had a gentleman that lived in your neighborhood mm-hmm. that you invited to that group. Who came to Christ? Give us a yeah. brief rundown of that, because that is sort of a Cornelius type situation. It really is. Of, yeah, of I hadn't thought about discovering it. God and coming to God, having experience with God, completely outside the walls of church. Sure. Well, you know, it's one of those things. In that particular group, um, there were a couple guys that were serving on a church board. There was a pastor, uh, not counting myself, but there was another formal senior pastor, um, and then there were. Two folks from my neighborhood. One was my neighbor that lived behind me, and the other one is the guy you're talking about who wasn't too far from us. Uh, his uh, his kids, uh, or his son and my son were friends growing up, and they'd known each other forever. In fact, they, yeah, still do. It's been years. Anyway, the whole point is, is that um, the goal of those meetings were not, it was a singular goal I stated at the beginning, right? And it is, I am here to help you fully realize that you already hear God's voice. That's the stated mm-hmm. goal. Awesome. Um, I told them how that was going to happen. We're going to address that because we're going to help you understand who you actually are. When you know who you are, then you can actually believe what I just said. Mm-hmm. If you don't know who you are, then you think literally, well, why would God talk to me? Now, you may never verbalize that, but you're thinking that. I'm not anybody God would talk to. And so that was what we set out to do. In that process, what do I know that's going to happen? I know that if you don't know God, you are going to meet him. Yeah. <laughs> you are going to. And and I never have to say a word, and that's literally what happened. We, we met for about, uh, I want to say, 12 weeks, maybe not even that long, 10 weeks. And... And finally, we get to this point. Basically, we went through everybody's life story. Everybody shared what what their life was like. The simple rules. Nobody can talk. You get an hour to share your life story. Then you can have questions. Uh, People can ask questions. But more importantly, what they do is they share what stuck out to them. So in that process, what we learn to see is how God speaks to us through, through circumstances, through other people's stories. And then we do the same thing with scripture. And then after we do that, and this passage we use is John chapter 10. Um, and what was really interesting, I began to see when we went through John chapter 10, I began to see in him how the light coming on. Cause he, you know, in that scripture, it talks about my sheep, hear my voice. They recognize who I am, that whole deal. So we did that. And then that next meeting, um, our new goal was now, instead of just trying to hear God's voice, trying to recognize that in these contexts, now we're just going to start from scratch. We sit in the backyard. I said, just look around, find something, see what sticks out to you. And, and then we're going to go from there. So everybody did. This gentleman noticed, as I said that, a neighbor's light behind me kicked on his patio light. And he said, I can't get away from that light. I just keep seeing that. And it's like the light just came on. And he said, figuratively, but he said it began to speak to me. And he said, I just really, I've been listening to you guys now for weeks. And I just, I really just believe, like, I need, I need to get what you guys have. I want to have this relationship with the creator. <laughs> he wanted the light to come he on. He wanted the light to come on. He said, I, he said, I really believe his, his specific statement was, I believe God is telling me that he is the light. He's drawing me to him. Wow. I wow. mean, we didn't, this is how didn't much, tell him that. Didn't That's tell him that. Awesome. <laughs> he wasn't raised in church. church. Mm-hmm. So, so he's grabbing hold of these things and, and the only scripture he'd been exposed to 
was John 10. And what I what was interesting is that week prior to this conversation, he said, uh, did you choose John 10 for a reason? And I said, I said, I mean, yeah, because it talks about my sheep or my voice. And this is what we're trying to do is recognize God's voice. And I said, stopped. And I said, and actually, to be honest with you, I guess the right answer is no, I didn't choose it with that in mind. What I did is I, I literally said, let's do John 10. It was random in my mind. And then I reasoned it out and knew what that scripture said. I went, oh, that makes sense. So what his first, the question that I answered was, yes, I chose it for a reason. But the reality is I saw the reason God would have chosen. And that happened at such a quick rate that to me, I just stuck it all together. So he was already turning on to this concept, this idea. And then by the time we got into that next week, man, he was there. And what was really amazing in that process was that um, we didn't stop right then. Like you're going to hear this from different people. We stopped right there and we prayed the sinner's prayer and that man entered into the kingdom of him and it's so powerful. Mm. And that for some reason, they always have a draw like I just did. Um, But (laughs) I said, uh, he says this to me, we continued the group. I said, okay, man, that's fantastic. I, I hear that. And I went on to the next guy. And I said, we're going to address this here in a minute, but I just want to, let's, let's continue on. Because the reality is in that moment, I believe in, in that moment, maybe even probably prior to that moment, he had already received God. Yes. Mm-hmm. He had already received Absolutely. Christ as his Lord and Savior. He had already done that. And so when we got to it afterwards, that one of the pastors that was there, I'm sure he was chomping at the bit because that's just the nature, right? Um, he had to leave early, so uh, so he didn't get to be a part of this, which I thought was actually probably a little good for everybody. For him, not everybody, for him and then for the other guy because we didn't have that weird tension of like a process that we're used to. And I think it was good for him to not be there because he got to sit there and trust that God's work was going to be done even if he wasn't present. I think that's healthy. And so... Uh, so I, I said, well, here's the thing. I said, we could pray this prayer that, that many of us have prayed and, and we'll do, we'll pray, but we're going to pray a prayer of gratitude, not a prayer of hope of please, Lord, I beg you to accept me. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to pray a prayer of gratitude Absolutely. for him calling you to him and that reception, uh, a receptivity that you, you've uh, demonstrated. And so it was just a, it was a beautiful moment. And again, it was not a moment that we set out to accomplish. We didn't go, okay, we want to get X amount of people saved, X amount of people baptized. I just want, because I, I honestly believe, and it really come down to my study of discipleship over the years, which is at the end of the day, is it better for me to put myself in a position of rabbi, teacher, mm-hmm. or is it better for me to get somebody directly connected to God? Because Absolutely. I know the answer to that one is pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. I don't want them ever dependent on me. I'm going to fail. I am going to fail them. I'm going to fail myself, but God never fails. If I connect them directly to God, my, my, what else do I need to do? Right. And he, what happened was you recognized that that man's mind changed. Yeah. And so that's what we don't always pursue, the changing of our minds Mm -hmm. that says, God, who are you? I'm going to start pursuing the little bit I heard so I can add to it. Mm -hmm. And then I'll have this big picture that I understand. And that's what Cornelius was doing. He had bits and pieces, but Mm -hmm. he was devout in what he knew. He was consistent in what he knew. 
And he just stayed with it until God said, you're going to be a memorial. Mm-hmm. What you said to me, I'm going to remember mm-hmm. and I'm going to answer you. Yeah. And that's what people have to recognize is that however we pray, however we say it, doesn't have to be like you say it, Jeremy, or like sure. Wayne, or like I said. It just has to be consistent and sincere, and God knows, and he's faithful to answer. Yeah, that's the point of him. That's why he, that's what he did. That's, 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 the, that's the whole the point. point. <laughs> that's the whole point of it. That's good. Cornelius heard, and he responded, and we'll deal with uh, in the next podcast episode uh, what happens when he responds. Yeah. Jeremy, pray us out of here, will you? Yeah, Father, we are so thankful for your revelation, for your mercy on us, and uh, just truly, we are grateful for how you move and have your way in things. It's a funny thing that we think we have any kind of control, <laughs> but we truly do. We uh, And Lord, I am so grateful, personally, I am grateful uh, when you use me as an instrument in any of that, and uh We want to thank you for that. I ask that you give opportunity for all those who are in the sound of my voice right now, that they would hear this and that you would quicken their hearts. The Holy Spirit would would quicken them to be used by you as well. Uh, Any number of ways, if it's not just to bless somebody, we just thank you for that. We trust you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. If you... uh... Maybe you heard God speak to you while you were listening to this podcast. Maybe you've had an encounter with God. You can go to redux.church, hit the contact page, and we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your story and know what God is doing and saying in your life as you follow along in our conversations. We look forward to seeing you in our next episode as we continue in Acts chapter 10. God bless.